Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm John Tucker, along with uh, Tom Keenan, Michael McKee. The opening bell report this morning is being brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash imagine. Well, the rally we saw in the FTSE, the CAC, and the German DAX... Uh, Failing to translate into much of a lift for U.S. stocks right now, at least for the indexes, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 20 points, a decline of about a tenth of a percent. S&P 500 down two points, and the Nasdaq Composite Index in the early going, a Tom down 14 points. That's a decline of about three-tenths of a percent. Among the shares most active uh, so far this morning, Apple shares down almost 1%. The uh, Apple iPhones in China, Beijing authorities uh, say it uh, violates a rival's patent. And also we're seeing shares of Bank of America among the most active. They're up right now about half a percent. Uh, Smith & Wesson, the gunmaker, that is rising right now up 11%. After fourth quarter beat, it uh, views of the top estimates. And uh, that is a uh, check of the markets right now in the early going. And we bring the market uh, checks to you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Now back to Tom and Mike. Uh, John Tucker, thank you so much. I've waited three days for this. My people talked to his people. His people said, no, 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 no. Finally, we get John Herman of Mitsubishi UFJ uh, with us. Everybody writes differently in the game. We had Steve Roach in earlier today who writes a more thoughtful, allegic no. David Melpass writes in a thoughtful way. John Herman wouldn't know thoughtful. He spits it out in sentences, in short paragraphs, lots of bullet points. And, John, you stopped me in my tracks the other day with a regaging of the new terminal rate and potential yeah, GDP. Yeah. Let's cut to the chase. Why yeah. is John Herman so cautious? We're, um, unfortunately, we've been cautious for the last uh, several yes. years, and it's a little bit out of sync with uh, our normal, you know, our normal vibe and everything else. But the problem is, is uh, what we what we've been seeing uh, is twofold. One, uh, we've been seeing very uh, sluggish. Uh, growth in labor force and vulnerabilities where the labor force actually declines, outright declines every month, every quarter, every year from 2019 through 2029, even assuming that millennials enter the labor force with 100% participation rates. So even assuming that, we still get outright declines because, in our view, the government's not going to encourage immigration and so on to augment the labor force, so we're going to be stuck in one of these uh, bad environments for the labor force. That's the first thing. So that means overall it's going to be strains on the economy to really, uh, you know, grow employment uh, going forward and to have that be the catalyst of growth the way it was from 1940 through uh, last decade. So that's the first problem. Second problem is business investment is extremely weak this decade, and we think it remains weak next decade. So um, you put the two pieces together, as Robert Solow up yeah. at MIT would say, there's your trend growth in GDP, and for us, right. trend is around one four, one point four. And Mike McKee, this is a major theme of Chairman Greenspan. Yeah, Chairman yeah, Greenspan, exactly. Mike, agrees with John Herman about the business investment dynamic. The question uh, in terms of uh, how you frame this 
is are you calling it secular stagnation? No, no, no. You know, I, you know that. I think uh, I would agree. I would agree with many of the features of it. But what that suggests, secular sector, to me, what it suggests is, is that no matter what they do in government, and no matter who you vote in, nothing can be done. And what I'm suggesting, and what we've been suggesting for the last several years, is if we can just. Um, really get the two parties to really work together because you can't expect one party to dominate and you can't expect one party to be, uh, you know, completely clairvoyant and, and, and just decipher the right path. What you, what we were hoping is the two parties work together and get a good set of growth policies in place, which means you Number one, you've got to promote uh, immigration, especially the H-1B visa class. You've got to get that going. We need 400,000 people a year of this from this class times 40 years. Okay, first thing. Second thing is we somehow have got to encourage and incentivize businesses to really make a, an investment in the country. And this is what Greenspan's saying, you know, investment and, and plant and equipment lasting 15 years or longer is the weakest in cycle of any cycle since the 50s in our measurement. And Greenspan says it's the weakest cycle of his lifetime, which pulls it back to the 30s. So this is very, very bad. You must – and what Greenspan's saying, what we're saying is that it's business's concern that the two parties are not going to be able to come together and resolve some of the issues around the retiring boomers and the entitlement programs and all this stuff. And if you can't do that, businesses are right to be cautious and the trajectory most likely next decade is going to be, okay, they can't sort it all out. Okay, they still are paying all these entitlements, and they're just going to raise taxes on, on either corporations or, or wealthier individuals, and that's not going to really spur investments. So they've got to really come to grips with this stuff, work together, and just be more collegial, and, and, the, and the two parties are so far apart. Right. It's astonishing. So that's right. basically our, our issue. We think it could be done, but if, if all two people are going to do is just fight, then it's obviously okay. not going to get done. Michael? Uh, political stagnation. The other question of the morning is whether or not uh, Fed forward guidance in the form of the dot plot is useful anymore. Uh, St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard this morning out with a uh, thoughtful paper suggesting it is not and also admitting that he is the person who did not put a dot into the dot plot on Wednesday for the long-term terminal rate and had a very low short-term rate, uh, he's changing the way he forecasts the economy to what he calls regime-based instead of convergence-based. And uh, we just got off the phone with him. Uh, He spoke with reporters about his thoughts. And uh, here is one of the things he said about the dot plot. The policy rate dot plot, in my opinion, puts too much weight on the idea that we quote, know, unquote, the long-run steady state of the economy. In in reality, we are uncertain about the medium and longer-run outcome for the economy. What we need is a manageable way to express this uncertainty. And his manageable way, Tom, is to uh, use what he calls regime forecasting. In other words, say, this is where we are for now, and under the conditions that we have now, uh, this is the appropriate monetary policy, uh, policy right. X would be. And then if the regime changes, if something changes, then you change a forecast rather than making a forecast right. now that you will change well, in the future. very quickly, okay, John Herman, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is that doable? Is it, can it be applied? I, I, I think, I think, I think it's going to be a little tricky. you got to remember with this guy Bullard. Bullard is the king of flip-flops. So last September he was out there saying, okay, in his view, he had the highest dots on the interest rate trajectory for the next three years, and now 
he's gone nine months later to the lowest dot. I mean, this guy is all over the spectrum. So if he was a golfer, you'd be so concerned to be hitting you in the gallery. But the deal is what we have to do is this. We have to realize where we are. We have to calibrate where we are in the economic cycle. And our models keep saying the years 2019, 2020, 2021 are most likely recession years. So we're very close. So, you know, it's not like you're going to get in the longer run. In, in three in three years, a little more than three years, you're going to be in a recession. So it's like, what are you talking about no. a longer run when you're going to be and you have to be cutting rates? So this is where they're not waking up. I think that this, they're behind the curve on this stuff, but at least they're they're starting to say, oh gee, maybe we are, maybe we only have another one, two, or three years left in this cycle. And you know, why are we thinking of you know putting rates over three percent? That's crazy. Okay. Totally crazy. Let's come back, John Herman, with us. Lots to talk about. I want to quiz him on his interpretation of not rising inflation, but at least the obvious and visible inflation that we've got right now. John Herman, again, the headline with a terminal rate out three, five and eight years. It is, uh, gives pause to say the least. We'll continue with John Herman and Mitsubishi UFJ. Uh, Dow negative 45, VIX 1963. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest news headlines brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. British Prime Minister David Cameron and Labor leader Jeremy Corbyn pay tribute to a member of parliament who was shot and killed yesterday. Joe Cox was meeting with constituents in her northern England town of Burstall when she was attacked. Cameron talked about Cox, who was considered a rising star in the Labor Party. If we truly want to honor Joe then what we should do is recognize that her values, service, community, tolerance, the values she lived by and worked by, those are the values that we need to redouble in our national life in the months and in the years to come. Britain's Parliament will meet Monday in honor of Cox, who was 41. Security is tied in Charleston, South Carolina, as the city remembers nine people gunned down during a church Bible study a year ago. Streets are closed today around Emanuel AME Church and the College of Charleston's TD Arena, where there will be a memorial service. Crews have found the flight data recorder from Egypt Air Flight 804. The Egyptian Investigation Committee says it managed to successfully retrieve the memory unit of the flight data recorder, which is the most important component. It comes a day after the Airbus A320's cockpit voice recorder was also retrieved. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. Now, Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. The Dow, negative 46. There's some weight to the tape, is how I would put it. Michael McKee and Tom Keene. Mike's packing his bags. We're going to London. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Elbow Beach Bermuda, an oceanfront enclave of classic style and contemporary luxury, 50 acres of lush gardens, and a private ribbon of pink sand beach. Go to elbowbeachbermuda.com for more details. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And this Bloomberg Business Flash being brought to you by CGMA, Chartered Global Management Accountant, the CGMA designation and program deliver critical skills your finance team needs to succeed. Learn more at cgma.org slash radio. Well, the rally of European shares failed to translate into much of a lift for U.S. stocks. Dow Jones Industrial Average right now 
47 points lower. That's down three-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 down six. That's down three-tenths. And the Nasdaq Composite Index down 25. That's down a half a percent. Among the shares moving in the early going, shares of Apple, they are down nine-tenths of a percent. Regulators in Beijing say Apple iPhones violate a Chinese rival's patent. And among other stocks moving in early, New York trading, MGM Resorts International, that's up about 2.4%. The shares jumped late yesterday after the casino operator raised its profit growth forecast. Also, the weapons maker Smith & Wesson, that is rising this morning. That's up over 11% after a fourth-quarter beat. And we check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. I'm back, back to surveillance now with Mike and Tom. John Tucker, thank you very much. Well, back again to Jim Bullard, the president of the St. Louis Fed, who today announced a new regime, regime forecasting for the, at least the St. Louis Fed. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the organization uh, takes to the idea. Uh, but basically, he said it's uh, in, in response to the fact that uh, what they have been doing has not really worked. The dot plot has not been serving us well. It's, it's predicting uh, that uh, rates will go up on the order of, for our forecast anyway, we had rates going up 350 basis points. Uh, and, you know, if, we're, if the committee's only moving once a year or, uh, you know, maybe a little faster than that, it can take up to 14 years. Uh, to get to make that kind of uh, normalization, that's way outside of anything that's plausible about business cycle dynamics or monetary policy dynamics. So I think you have to conceptualize things in a different way that uh, you get rid of this idea of a long-run steady state and a two- or three-year convergence to that long-run steady state. You replace that with uncertainty about what the long-run outcome is by, put, by going to this regime idea and uh, and then uh, you make policy optimally for the regime you're in and recognize there's upside risk because you can switch to the other regimes in the future. So I think it's more uh, we're looking at the same data but with a different concept about how to think about the long run uh, in this in this new uh, new approach. So John Herman is with us from uh, Mitsubishi, um, apparently not a fan of uh, of Jim Bullard, but. Um, He's basically saying that uh, whether you agree or disagree with the, the Fed's view of where the terminal rate is, the terminal rate is far enough away that you can't really know. Because well, we've been we've been we've been very critical of where they thought we thought that we've been arguing for the last few years that the terminal rate, based on our analysis of the trend growth in GDP, this potential, this Robert Solo idea from MIT, you know, of productivity, sustainable productivity growth, sustainable labor force growth. Where is it estimated? And then put a Fed funds rate that's basically spot on that. And um, so we've been always uh, arguing for about one and a half percent. 
percent, possibly lower, in the terminal Fed funds rate. In the meantime, the Fed started out saying, you know, over four percent, and they cut it to four, and now they're at three. And even as Bullard just fessed up in the uh, in that in that segment, he said, he said, you know, we were thinking 350 basis points terminal rate, and but at one hike a year, we won't get there for 14 years. It's like, why are they saying 350 basis points? It's incredible. I mean, there's you know, in 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 we go through an inflection point in labor force in the year 2018, and every year after that, we're biased to shrink the labor force. How are you telling me that sustainable GDP growth is going to be above 1.5%? How are you possibly going to convince me of that, especially when productivity growth is as weak as this is and, and, and so on? So I think, I think the Fed has just been really offsides on this issue. That's what we've been critical about them. Uh, we view twos tens as very flat. We think it gets much flatter from here. Uh, we, we were concerned that the 30-year bond would stay below 3% for the next three years. It's now, after the performance this, this first half of the year, is definitely supporting that view that 30-year bond yields come lower and, and like 10-year yields lower than 2.3% and so on. And that was very much an outline forecast. But, you know, um, we still think that uh, the Fed is going to go very gradual over the next three years. And we're concerned that there's, you know, we're in a, sl- a kind of a soft patch now with jobs now. But we're worried that the, the sort of structural secular forces on the weakness in the labor force really grinds us to a, uh, you know, an economic slowdown in 2019, 2021. We're really worried about that. And the timing of that with the boomer retirements, this is just not a good thing. So um, we would be very concerned. And if we were in Yellen's shoes, we would be telling the Congress of this so that maybe the Congress could do something and try to, you know, improve, like we've been saying, improve the immigration, get the H-1B visa program enlarged and so on, really try to spur business investment, sort of dial down the acrimony between the two parties and so on, uh, you know, give everyone a little more confidence to do things and to borrow and to invest. And uh, they just, the Congress just uh, is just not about that game anymore. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the utility of your forecast five years or six years out is, um, given the inability to know what, in, what what's going to happen between now and then. You, you can forecast one data point, but... Uh, you know, I think I think in, in three year, in three years or so, I think you're going to see that this cycle is very long in the tooth. You know, so it, it's not going to you know even at that point, even if you do bring in a you know a new government, a new regime, and so on, I think uh, you you know mm-hmm. you're looking at you know the potential of maybe helping growth you know right. much further past there. So I think you're mm-hmm. we're going towards a slowdown. And, you know, we're in, right. you know, some of the signals, some of the job market signals are signaling that, you know, it could be just, you know, 18 months away, you know, and that's not our core view, but some of the signals are pointing to right. 18 to 20 months um, away. So. Buried in your note, John, yeah, yeah. is on inflation, what certain geographies, Good Morning New York, San Francisco, Washington, Boston, not all geographies, inflation's about rent. Are you saying inflation's yeah. low without rent? Yeah, we're saying, uh, and the, the government, I think, has got this one measured right. When you when you strip out, rent has been running three over three percent for the last couple of years, and it's around three and a quarter now. Wage growth for, over that time period was somewhere between two and two and a half percent, significantly lower than rental uh, growth rates, which means rent has been a tax on the basic okay. household and your statistic, their ability. Your numbers yeah, one, on one your numbers one point four two percent core inflation x rent how does Jan, rent how does Janet Yellen treat that 
she should say, okay, look, uh, what that suggests is that the inflation pressures broadly are still pretty benign or quiescent, the way Greenspan used to say it. So it should tell her, look, don't be in a hurry to raise rates. It's not like you're behind the curve. So go slowly, go cautiously, be careful, and uh, hope that the economy develops even more momentum, hopefully, and hopefully the recovery broadens out to be, include more families and uh, more businesses, and, you know, maybe then we can start to build, uh, you know, uh, more sustainable inflation. It would say, go, you know, go cautiously and slowly. When you, uh, when you say go cautiously and slowly, Bullard says his yeah. regime calls for one more rate increase. Yeah, now he, now he's, and, yeah, now he's. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, we we were thinking three. We were thinking before all this the, the theatrics of the last few weeks. We were thinking three to four over the next three years, and so we're more like three now. And you know, and that sounds like one a year, but uh, you know, they may only do two over the next three years. I mean, it's remarkable. Well, so. Uh, um, I, I, given uh, what you say about Mr. Bullard, I, I would say that mm-hmm. the same is probably true for you. Uh, you you no, can't no, no, know no. what they're going to do Bullard. over three years. But, yeah, but, but right now, Bullard's wrong on that. Right now, uh, yeah, but Bullard's where, where should from, say, what it, three and a half to one? I mean, that's crazy. We've gone from three or four to three. What so is we're the, pretty consistent. What is the appropriate and accurate? What is the appropriate rate right now? Is what I'm trying to get. I think I think you know uh, as Yellen is saying, uh, and I think she's she's now really keying in on it. She thinks that the real interest, the real neutral rate, is close to zero, and I think that's the right idea. So that means a nominal rate this cycle. If we think inflation is going to okay. stay lower than two for the rest of the cycle, that means a nominal rate of one and a half or lower. John, I, I don't have a lot of time. I got thirty seconds. Would you explain to me how a small business? A middle business or a ginormous business runs their business on a zero real rate. Help me with that. I think what they what they what they should be. Unfortunately, what they have been doing is they've been using these low borrowing rates to the bigger companies, at least, to buy back stocks and pay dividends and so on, funded at very low borrowing rates, like the way Apple does it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the best thing for them to do is to say, look, we have. Uh, you know, we we have investment ideas where the return on these investments well exceed these very okay. low borrowing costs, and we're going to go and do those investments. Okay, John. And unfortunately, they're not doing that. If we make it back from London, I promise you will be on again soon. John Herman, always with interesting take. And whatever you say, folks, Mr. Herman has nailed the flattening yield curve view and the idea of what some people would suggest is a run rate of GDP a little bit uh, Lord, this has been a wonderful day. I did not realize Mr. Bullard would make it an interesting uh, day. Thanks particularly to Mike for uh, terrific work with James uh, Bullard. We are on our way to London. Tune in Monday. Bloomberg Surveillance from London.